Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Unbound and Rewound Horror Podcast, where we dive deeper into every horror book and movie for a closer look at their bone-chilling anatomy. I am Avery, your Queerfully Fearfully host. Make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Substack at Your Horror Podcast for the latest horror content and podcast updates, such as what to expect for every new episode. Even if you didn't have a Valentine yesterday, you should be loving yourself if you're Black because it's our month after all. Well, I chose to celebrate the first part of the month because I'm still half white and it's not changing. So it's not my month anymore but I'm gonna still celebrate my community for the remainder of the month. That being said, I asked two black horror content creators and mutuals of mine to join me for this second black horror episode to talk about what we know best. You've heard me name drop them a few times and now if you haven't already, you're gonna hear from them. So would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself to the people? Woo, what's up? Uh, my name is Zero Gravity. I am one half of Blurdy Massacre podcast um, with my insanely sinful host, Sheree the Slayer. Um, <laughs> and we be chopping it up. What's up? <laughs> yeah, we travel. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> she should have never let us in here. <laughs> <laughs> No, I I want the people to be entertained, and that's what we're gonna bring them. Oh, we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, Shrey, did you want to introduce yourself, or do you feel Zero uh, did it all for you? I mean, Zero did it. I, all I can say is I am the other half of Woody <laughs> Massacre. I'm Sheree the Slayer, aka the Receipt Keeper. Um, hmm. If somebody's done it, I know about it, and I'm gonna tell everybody. Right. <laughs> It's big little sister energy. It's like, I saw you and I'm snitching unless you give me what I want. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, be mindful of that uh, moving forward, everyone. <laughs> uh, so as we get into this episode, we have to get to know our guests just a little bit. Um, this is a horror book and movie podcast and TV show. But if you're not a reader, that's okay. But I know you're a watcher. So what have you been reading and or watching recently? Starting with, we can start with Sheree. I just recently listened to The Black Guy Dies First because... Ooh. I read it last year and I was like, I want to actually hear it too. So I can make sure I get some more of these stats. Yeah. Um, it's still that girl. If you've not mm -hmm. <laughs> read it or heard it, it's um, Robin Armin's Coleman and Mark Harris who gave us Horror Noir, that book. And so, you know, already we're coming from scholarly black folks who are just like, I've seen what you've done in my face. And mm -hmm. I took notes. Um, I aspire to have a book worth of receipts someday. That's exactly <laughs> what it is too. Yes. It is. Everybody's accountable. Um, and I am about to re-rewatch uh, She Never Died, which is so good. I don't need to see the first one. Yeah. You, you get it. You get it. And you don't need to watch the first one. Like, you can make sense of it without the first one. I feel like if I watched the first one, I would just be thinking, why couldn't it be a Black woman? And the second one, she's a Black woman. So, like, what's the first exactly. one to give me? Exactly. What? Literally. Nothing. Yeah. Everything. You know what would make this better? You know, every single time. A black every woman. Time. A black woman. Just literally. <laughs> um, right now, I am 
about a third of the way through of the last voyage of Demeter. I Ooh. never got around to that. I never got yeah. around to it. And now I'm a third in and I'm like, damn, I should have watched this sooner. Um, I'm feeling it. I like the characters. Mm -hmm. I love a good period piece, you know, take me back to the fantasy days. Give me that funky accent. Right. Um, I think the costuming is really good and the set design is pretty on point too. Um, and I love a good monster movie. So as soon as we wrap it up here, that's where I'm going to be diving back into. Um, right, right. And uh, my birthday just passed and I got a lot of cool manga for my homies. Um, and so right now I'm reading um, High School of the Dead. Um, maybe I shouldn't have said that on recording. I'm reading High School of <laughs> the Dead. Um, it's a really sick copy and it's in color. Um, probably Ooh. number one manga, maybe anime, but that's some good old zombie, some good old zombie content right there. That's a strong statement too. I hope I don't have anybody coming on my podcast saying, um, just so you know, it's not the best because I, I can't back it up quite frankly. So I'm gonna just turn them to you. I'll be like, listen, you have to beef this out with Zero. I can't. Uh oh, I, I will accept the DM. <laughs> Zero knows the zombies. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Like if Zero say it's the quality zombie stuff, it's the quality zombie shit. Like, well, it, it's 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 an acquired taste. I will say that if if you're okay with like you know erotica mixed in with your zombies, then come on over. But I understand oh. that's not for everyone. It's <laughs> very it's niche. Super yeah, niche. So I'm flexible. I get it. Yeah. I mean, we've already done cannibal love stories, bones and all. Why not? That's what I'm saying. With, yeah, well, get, I feel like the Taylor line Russell. is a little bit. It's a little <laughs> bit strong there. <laughs> get Taylor Russell and Timmy Chardonnay to do this too, and chef people feel. <laughs> I <laughs> think no, no. You get a hot bisexual couple to do it, and people will mm -hmm. fall in love with it. Step That's one: find bisexual hot couple. Step two. Make them into zombies. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah, I would do it, but I don't know. I don't know, Timothy. Timothy, how you said Chardonnay? Uh, mm. Ever since I saw Wonka, I don't think I can see him in a horror movie anymore. Quite frankly, oh, too cute. I didn't, I didn't see Wonka. Yeah, yeah. I haven't either. But I kind of like Timmy Chardonnay. I like Timmy Hot Chocolate. Yeah, I think he's he good. Has, he has range. But he's, he's too cute. He's cute. <laughs> I've only seen him in Bones and All and on SNL. And on SNL, he's explaining to me who he was because I had him mixed up with two other dudes. And he was like, <laughs> I'm Timmy Chardonnay. I've done these movies. But I've seen none of those. And he did some skits. And I was like, okay, so you're this person. Who are the other two? Um, <laughs> still a mystery. He does. <laughs> I mean, he's part of that like white man category where like there's three other people that look like him. Mm -hmm. It's very easy. Yes. Very easy. All to cheekbones and shoulders doing the same movies oh don't forget the chin the chin is like crimson Listen, i was gonna say clavicle <laughs> <laughs> clavicle the chin is sharp and so is the art chin, like, cheekbones is... clavicle he's got it all going he's just sharp oh, a sharp, sharp head yeah it reminds uh, me of crash box <laughs> and the skeleton to do the puzzles <laughs> <laughs> just a claymation yeah. Act of claymation. <laughs> um, yeah, Last Voyage of Demeter. Ugh, I loved that when it came out. I mean, I knew that I would, but I also liked that it wasn't super heavy on like, you're a black man and it's eight, the eight, the 1600s and you're not supposed to be here. Like, no, he had a degree. 
he deserved to be there. And I love that. I also like that um, Dracula Nosferatu wasn't sexy and he wasn't seducing anyone mm. because mm-hmm. bring back scary vampires. I'm with that. Yeah. I Second it, it, third it. <laughs> Fourth it. Yeah. I'd rather uh, be scary than sexy at this point. Like, Yeah. We have too many. There's too many. Like the Scars guards have pl- both played a vampire oh. at this point. We can let it go. Mm. Well, and you know, yeah, but I will say I feel like the latest attempts of trying to make a sexy vampire have also failed because the invitation, I mean, <laughs> I knew what I knew what I was getting myself into. That's the thing. I knew it wasn't going to be what I wanted. It was going to be very Wattpad romance, yeah. um, but it that still is an amazing me. way of putting it. Yeah. Wow, you're so right on the nose. So, yes. Yeah, I should know because I was an author on there once. Oh, girl, I, <laughs> I was, was trying too. to. <laughs> I was there. It was a it was a phase. I'll leave it in the grave. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but what a time nonetheless. <laughs> so uh, we both we all are horror fans, uh, but there are subgenres within horror that. We love, we hate, we hate to love, we love to hate. So what is a subgenre of horror that you just could not live without, whether it is a book, manga, movie, or all of the above? Mm. I have to pick one. I mean, it could, I mean, like I get the the difference in like, well, I like my manga this way, but I like my movies this way. So it's like, mm-hmm. if you want to approach it that way, you definitely can. Anything in the sci-fi realm. I'm pretty mm. I'm pretty liberal in the sci-fi realm. Actually, no, I guess that makes sense because although I will watch it all and I'm totally down to watch it all, um, I can't say that I lean towards the paranormal, this yeah. the slasher type classic stuff, um, ghosts kind of things, demonic stuff. Mm-hmm. That's cool and I'll sit down and I will take it. But um, I think I am a kind of a world building gal. So I like to get yeah. lost in a different universe. Um, not something that's so based in reality, although again, I will take it. Um, so I like anything with big monsters um, or we're in space or deep down in the ocean on a crazy rig or some shit mm. like that somewhere, anywhere that's not here. And I think sci-fi covers most of that probably. Yeah, That's where I'd be living at. I feel so basic after that. Um, <laughs> I am definitely a paranormal girl. Unless I'm trying to relax, then I want a slasher. Because mm. seeing 40 year olds play 18 year olds, catching hatches with their chest just relaxes me. No, so, yeah. Comfort. Yeah, right? I'm just like, mm-hmm. get him, Jason, get him. Um, <laughs> and then I can take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> I think, first of all, Friday the 13th and Sleepaway Camp are two of the best movies to fall asleep to. But also, I think as two of two of Bloody Massacre, you need the balance, you know? So like you have the you have the paranormal, you have the slasher fan, and then you have yes. the sci-fi fan. And duality. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The duality of black women. <laughs> and that's that. I can't I do agree with the possession demonic stuff. Paranormal stuff I do uh, struggle with because most of them are very slow burns and I struggle with slow burns. Um, and also I'm just not scared of ghosts and I want to be scared if I'm watching something paranormal because I think that's the closest 
realest thing you can get when it comes to a horror movie. Like, I believe in ghosts. I believe they're real and demons. But it's like, if this movie isn't making me scared to, like, play with a Ouija board, then I don't want to watch it. Although I won't touch one. I'm not touching that. Never. No. (laughs) No, no, no. no. Um, that's, That's the issue with paranormal movies is that so many of them are made with, like, spirit gum and hope. And so, like, mm. the monsters be paper mache. Uh, <laughs> you got people walking into the scene, and I'm just like, you could have you could have yelled action and cut. We didn't need this. Uh, but when you find one that's real good, she's real good. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I, mm-hmm. I'm happy I dug for you in this Walmart bin. Like, I'm so happy yeah. we made it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one reason why I liked Talk to Me so much was because it really – it had those like Ouija vibes, but it upped the antes a little bit. Um, and you, it wasn't just like a paper mache ghost, but it was like, it was gritty and dirty. That shit slapped. Too it's good. One of my favorites from last year, like her and Evil Lurk. Both of those are me <sighs> and my spirit. Oh yeah, both demonic type movies, and I go hard for both of those. Yep. I still have not seen when evil lurks because I know oh. that it's well no hold on hold on listen it's not it's not because I don't want to it's because I know it's not an English movie so I really have to sit down and watch mm-hmm. it with subtitles and I haven't been able to do that recently okay so that's the okay. only thing because I I mean you know I want to know what they're saying but um I'm gonna try to make the time I'm gonna try to make the time also Shutter you just released gotta. a bunch of stuff all at once so I'm slowly catching up to all of the stuff that's on the app now. Okay, well, when evil lurks needs to be first on that list. Yes. Okay. Like for yes. fucking real. Literally. All right. It the it was my favorite Shutter movie in at least two years. Ever. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I'm being generous okay. with our friends, but yes. From homegirls <laughs> to homegirl, like watch it. Watch okay. it. Like okay. yesterday. I, will. I put my snacks and my drink down and leaned forward because I was like, what am I seeing? Oh my no, God. I was like, I was ejected from my couch. I, I wow. you know, that the first, the first one, I was like thirty feet in the air. I was not, ex- yeah, just yeah, yeah, watch it. Yeah, okay, they go, well, to, they do the things. Um, that's what I'm watching to go to bed tonight. I think Enjoy that sweet dreams. To me, are a great double feature. I feel like they're the same Gemini, both halves. Fucking bad shit, double feature. <laughs> I'm gonna do that when talking to me. It's a streamer because I've I've already seen it paid for a few times. I can't keep doing that. Uh, my wallet mm. is <laughs> not <driving>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, so that is your preferred subgenres, but we have been horror fans for probably our entire lives, quite frankly. Um, and most people know or remember their first encounter with horror. So for you all, which, I mean, you've seen so many horror movies up until this point, if you can even remember the very first one you saw, um, what was it about horror that stuck out to you when you first discovered it? And what was that movie, if you can recall? I never remember what my first movie was because I started so early. I was like four or five and I was watching them because I wasn't supposed to watch them. And I think that's why it became sexy. It became cool. Cause like, I'm not supposed mm. to be here. I'm going to fight to be here. I'm going to enjoy all these bitches. Um, <laughs> and so it was, it was just an onslaught. I, I couldn't tell you if I saw which Nightmare on Elm Street first, which Child's Play mm. first. Um, I couldn't even pronounce 
freckles yet. So I was saying checking at freckles and oh. we would just laugh at me instead of getting me speech path. Cause we're all adults in that house. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I don't remember what my first one was, but I know one of the undersung heroes that left an impression on me at an early age is Pumpkinhead, And mm. I, I wish I could go back in time and be like, you're watching a movie that's going to change you and your brain chemistry. You don't just want to be the witch. You want to write for her. You want to reboot this. Take notes, even though you mm. can't really read yet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Take Facts. notes. That's a good one. I didn't see Pumpkinhead until adulthood. Yeah. Um, I got into horror like kind of late in the game. Uh, we're all like middle school era. Oh, that's not, um, oh, that's not too late. I mean, listen, a lot of the people that are in our community are like, they drop from the womb and like, they're really? right on fucking Elm Street, like immediate, like, yeah. like fucking Sheree over here. Um, <laughs> but I got into horror around middle school, um, honestly, because I was scared of like everything. Mm. And it got to an, a point where I, I had to kind of like look at myself in the mirror and I was like, all right, girl, like you can't keep living life like this terrified of everything so you know middle school logic i was like let's just watch all of the scary movies and then you'll build up a tolerance um which i don't even know if i did like i'm every time i watch movies i'm scared well most times you know like oh but that's what keeps me coming back because i like being scared yeah um, i guess really all i found was how much of an adrenaline seeker i am maybe mm. Um, but I do remember my first horror movie before I was like into it as a genre. I was, I love telling the story. I was eight and I went to his birthday party sleepover at this girl in my class, Justine's house. And her dad was like this really big white guy. And he had mm. a, like a handle, not a handlebar, but like one of those like thick, you know, just on the top lip mustaches. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was like his, his that was like his thing. I honestly can't remember his face. I just remember the mustache and he would smoke like crazy cigars in the basement. So we're all on the living room floor and he in our sleeping bags and stuff. He's in the basement. He comes up from the basement. The door opens and like smells like cigar smoke. Like smoke is coming up. At least how I, this is how I remember it. And he's like, hey, you girls ever seen Jaws? And I'm eight and I'm like, no, what's that? Um, <laughs> And Jaws scared the fuck out of me, but it wasn't even the shark, right? Because it was far from the release date uh, when I was eight years eight years old. Mm -hmm. um, but it's when they go out looking, investigating, and they find the boat out in the open, and they're like scuba diving down there, and there's a bite out of the boat, and like Mr. Who's or what's its severed head pops out of the mm -hmm. boat. Oh my god! I I couldn't. I remember actively not sleeping. The next night after I got home, I was I was wow. terrified, like that his severed head in my brain. Um, but that was rad, great movie, love Jaws. So um, and now I'm here. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> many movies later. Those are two movies that I ask these questions to everyone um, who comes on the podcast. Those are two that I haven't heard. Uh, I think the most I've heard is Chucky, Child's Play. Um, I've heard Halloween. I, my first horror movie, I can't, I know that I had an, an immense fear of Chucky when I was a kid. Like I had a reoccurring nightmare where I was stuck in a well and he was just laughing at me at the very top oh, of shit. it. That's brutal. And so I was just like, how did this little, this little guy get me down here? I don't know. But the first movie that like I kind of clung on to 
<laughs> emotionally where I was like defending it with my heart was in middle school, but it was Cabin in the Woods. Oh, and fuck yeah. I was like, nobody Yes. gets it like I do. Nobody gets it. And that's when I realized, okay, this isn't, this is a, like a thing that I, that I enjoy. Um, and I'll always, I hold that movie so close to my heart. I love it so much. Yes, we get you. Yes. We understand you, Avery. And that's That, why, that's why we're here today. that and Buffy are the reason <laughs> Josh Whedon was born and now he can go. He made yeah, it says right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that part, stop, mm, put that one in. <laughs> Buffy, particularly. Um, so then we kind of already talked about the subgenres and uh, your your favorites, but what's a movie within your preferred subgenre and one with like with outside of it that you've enjoyed within the past two years or so? Oh, well, Malignant is a huge part of both mine and Sheree's personalities Hmm. these days. Um, that is our man, and we will stick beside him. Gabriel, Yes. listen, <laughs> justice. listen. A Kayla Cooper really reset culture with that. And I just, <laughs> <laughs> she did. yeah. She was like, I'll put this bad wig on this bitch and you'll see why in a minute. And we were like, what? <laughs> That's where he was the whole movie. <laughs> Um, It really is. It's such one a of good the best. movie to watch with other people because of the ending in particular. I watched it with my roommate recently for the first time, for them at least. Um, and like they were asking me all these questions and I said, that's not a yes or no question. I can't answer that for you. Sorry. And they learned why. And it was the payoff was so much bigger for me because they had no idea what was happening. Gorgeous. Fucking gorgeous ass movie. Yeah. I think the Lord. Okay, what was the question? I got distracted by my man. <laughs> You're like, oh, Gabriel, oh my God. Ah, I love him so much. <laughs> Y'all, you have to go on Zero's Instagram <laughs> and you have to check out uh, her tattoo, her malignant oh, tattoo, because I have a malign. I keep forgetting. it is good. It is good. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah. the The question originally was a movie within your preferred subgenre and one outside of it that you would watch that you have loved in the past two years. Oh, just uh, a couple months ago, No One Will Save You, that came on Hulu. Ooh, yeah. Oh, I love that movie. I thought it was awesome. I love to see like the grays again and like work it into like classic uh, other horror subgenre, like the whole home invasion thing, but it's the grays was really sick. Um, I was blessed to see that one in the theater. And that shit was crazy. That blew my mind. But, you know, we see a lot of alien shit all the time. And Yeah. again, I'll eat it all up because I'm hungry. But, you know, you don't really think of like the grays as like the scary guys. It's like some fucking meme Yeah. area, whatever. We're going to storm it. That I'm going to fucking alien. That kind of thing. I thought that was great. Some people hated it. I totally get it. But that was my jam. No, yeah, I heard some mixed reviews about it. So, I mean, if the zero, the zero is recommending it, well, then the bad reviews don't count. I'm also just like really easily satisfied, you know, give me a couple explosions, <laughs> give me a monster, give me a fun main character. Like I'm sad. I'm not it's picky, a five man. star. It's, <laughs> I don't know about all that. I don't know about all that. Um, but it's a good time. It's, it is a good time.
Uh, one in mind that I like from the last two years, Satan Slaves Communion, because mm. I was late to the party for the first ones. So I ended up watching both of them back to back. And the first one was so good. I was like, it's not going to be as good as the first one, but I'm going to do it anyways. And she was like, ha ha, bitch, surprise, surprise. And I was like, well, we got a, we got a franchise. Can I get another? Oh, <laughs> and so I really, I really love that one. I was uh, surprised with, speaking of a paranormal movie, I was trying to think of one earlier when we were talking about it that I watched recently and I was surprised by it because I don't like them. Hell House, LLC. Oh, that, that surprised the hell out of me. I was like, oh, this is good. Wow. I hit play because I made it so far in the franchise where it it's too late to quit now unless they like make five more of them. And so I wasn't, I went in with no hopes. I was like, you know what? It's fan abuse, whatever. And it ended right. up being one of the better movies in the franchise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. Shutter gave us two things last year, y'all. And they're just hard at work. Quite frankly, I support Shutter through and through because even if it's not the best, uh, maybe it's not the best movie, but great, great intentions. And I support right. that. <laughs> My other thing is I've seen a lot of the Shutter Originals and so someday most of us can have Shutter Originals because <laughs> we've It gives me things. hope. Right? Yeah. It gives right? me hope. But you know what? They're giving us Black horror and queer horror. And yes. that is why I actually really, really do like Shudder because it's like um, last year at Tribeca Film Festival, there was like bad things. There was, I don't think Birth Rebirth is queer, but it, it is of color to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are the only ones that came to mind. I don't know why I acted like I had a whole list ready for you. And those were the only two that <laughs> no, I didn't Yeah, like it's, there's a lot of movies that came out last year for whatever reason, I'm like, I can't remember them. Like I've never seen a movie. <laughs> like, nope. There are some on that list and I'm just like, we even got some intersectionality, which we don't always get because yeah. the people who make the movies in Hollywood are like, what's that? This is not trending. Intersectionality is not trending. This is what's trending this month for 28 days. I know. And I'm just like, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The trends are killing me. Um, so then now, Zero, this might be an easy question for you. You might have perhaps already answered it. But what is a horror movie you wish you could watch again for the first time? Um... <laughs> I'm not going to say malignant. I want to say <laughs> malignant, but I'm not going to say malignant. Yo, if you go on my Twitter and like search in my profile, just malignant, it's, <laughs> you're going to be scrolling fucking forever. I should do that one of these days. Um, a movie that I wish that I could see again for the first time would, off the top of my head, I, okay, two movies come to the top of my head and they are The Thing and An American Werewolf in London. Oh. Um, for some reason, I revisited that one uh, in November when I was on a werewolf binge. Mm. Um, and I was like, damn, it's like, I watched it in college, so it was still a little fresh in my mind, um, like within 15 years. Um, but it was better than I remember and I regret not having, because I, again, I watched it in school, so I didn't have like a good movie theater experience. I kind of like wish that I did have that. 
Mm. Um, and the same thing with the thing. I, again, I watched it in school. I had this really cool like film 101 professor who would show us shit that he he would like go off of the curriculum like it would still make sense but like he's picking his own fucking movies um and i remember him constantly like telling us in class he'd be like do not tell the board i showed you this and then show us like eraser head it was that was a hoot that day at school um but again i was in class so i wish that i could have a a, a better viewing experience uh yeah sorry i'm looking up because that reminded me um my film class that I took, she showed us dog tooth. Ooh. <laughs> and I'm like, so, and I'm like, um, because I watched poor things and people are like, oh yeah, dog tooth by da 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 da. I said, is that the movie? That's that also your ghost, right? Yeah. Okay. He's a wild boy. And he is. I, <laughs> I was like, I feel like this shouldn't be allowed in this classroom, but I watched it and it's on my list of movies I'll never watch again. So, But in that same class, um, my film 101 class with my cool kooky professor, he was make, trying to make some point that definitely did make sense and showed us um, the void or enter <gasps> oh the void. Um, That's crazy. You know, like, that movie with like a shit ton of DMT and incest. Yeah. And yeah, he showed us like the first third of it. And it was like, y'all can go, you know, home and finish the movie if you want, but just like, don't say I didn't oh warn God. you and don't tell the board that I introduced you to it. And I did. And I went home and I tried to finish the rest of it. And it was like real traumatizing. <laughs> and I learned it in Lot. school. Like, I don't think they should be showing dog tooth either. Honestly, like that's, no. that's, uh, that's some heavy stuff. I feel no. cheated because my film classes did not go that hard. We watched the Shawshank Redemption. And I was oh, like, "Oh, that's a good movie. Yeah. It's good, but like, it's not even what one of Stephen King's bops. Like, it's a good movie artistically, great acting, <laughs> very dramatic. But like, we're not getting the scares. We're not getting, mm. <laughs> we're not getting Pennywise snatching kids up. And so, like, yeah, I just, I do forget that's a that's a Stephen King book. He liked to surprise the people back in the day because he'd be all like nightmares, nightmares, nightmares. Here's a slow jam, and I was like, Uncle Stephen, what? What?" <laughs> <laughs> And now for my next number. <laughs> I was like, is, is this you, Uncle Steven? <laughs> what Uncle is this? Steven. Wow, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, I still haven't seen Shawshank Redemption. I, and it's, it's not it's, going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. But also it's like, I don't know, something about it. I just, it does not pique my interest. That's... Although... Thumbs Although up, man. that man, that man, I wish I could remember his name right now. Rest in peace. You know, um, the the large one who died. Oh, oh that's yeah. the Green Mile, Michael Clark Duncan. Oh my God, what am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, I also have not watched the Green Mile for the same reasons you're probably I thinking. Have that's not so the Green funny. Mile. I'm like <laughs> mm, so sure of this answer right now, um, and I'm wrong. So no, you know what? Yeah. But it's just another movie that you can avoid, and it's yeah, fine. Exactly. No. And that's like, why this is a horror podcast and not just any movie podcast. I don't, <laughs> I don't know those movies. <laughs> that was another slow jam, but he was like, we're going to get into the haunting in this prison, but also this black man is going to be executed. And I'm like, Uncle Steven, no. Stop. Stop. I think I read the first two installments because that was when he was like, let's break my books up in the series because they are thick as a bitch. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I read the first two because I was given the first two as a kid for Christmas. Like, oh. <laughs> I don't feel good about this in my soul. I'm gonna just let these down. And then the movie's all down. 
And Tom Hayes is a policeman. Like, I know what you're going to do to that man. And I don't want to see it, Tommy. I don't want to see it, Tommy. Um, so I never saw the movie. <laughs> and maybe it's for the best, quite frankly. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we, yeah, we definitely sidebarred a little bit which is perfectly fine. I do. I am not editing anything out. I don't do that. I mean, well, I do to an extent, but like for the most part, I'm like, mm, authenticity. We love it here. Real, raw, unedited. Unedited. Coming straight yeah. to you. Live in stereo. Um, <laughs> but <from> New York. <laughs> live from New York. Come on now. Um, but Sheree, what is a horror movie that you wish you could watch again for the first time? I really, really wish I could rewatch the original When a Stranger Calls because the first 22 minutes and 38 seconds is art. It's, yes. As a kid, I didn't know scary movies could be scary because I was watching them, but I was having tea with like Michael and Jason and them. I didn't know they could be scary. I thought they were supposed to be fun. And so I put that yeah. on. I was like, another scary movie. I was like, oh shit, things are real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need a blankie. I need comfort. <laughs> um, <laughs> I still put her on when I'm really stressed out because after you're done not breathing for 22 minutes, um, you relax about your own problems. Right. And it, yeah. it really is the first 22 minutes because after that, the the horror of it kind of just disappears until the last 15 minutes. And that's what really upsets me is like, mm-hmm. I feel like in the middle, the like whole second act just wasted time. It is. It is. I, I just disassociate for the most of it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I come back when he's back in the house. I'm like, yeah. And I feel bad because the sequel's not trash, but you just can't recapture the first 22 minutes. You, you never can. Yeah. And it's yeah. part of the reason that remake failed so awfully. And it's it's very reminiscent of um, Black Christmas. Well, and I don't know which yes. one came first, but just like the, the phone calls and the there's like a real grittiness about the voice over the, yeah. the phone that the second one the second one a stranger calls just doesn't get but i like about the second one is just the way that the house is designed and the way they use it in the movie and that's why i like that one but and of course it doesn't go into like a crime detective story no i feel like i feel like the second one and the remake just they were never going to be as good and so like even mm-hmm. though i like the second one and i don't like the remake um they were never going to capture that because you can't do it once you've done it like we've seen movies emulated time and time again scream like those scream yeah. phone calls are coming from that bitch and they they are effective but they are not that bitch like it's it's designer yeah. and DiGiorno. so true <laughs> that's <laughs> wait Boss, that's a new I one. I like DiGiorno. I like DiGiorno, but she's not. She ain't she's not her. delivery. No, no, she ain't deep dish. She's not. Oh she's not giving. Wow, <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, now it's one thing to be a horror fan, and it's another to immerse yourself in the community and to take it a step further by being a voice within it. What brought you both to becoming a content creator within the horror community? And has it opened your eyes to anything that you were unaware of prior? Um, I don't know how I ended up here, man. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I used to go to cons um, a lot back in the day. Um, I think my first Comic-Con was 2010 and that was back in the time where uh, The Walking Dead had Comic-Con like in a fucking chokehold. 
So mm-hmm. every Comic-Con weekend, the new episode of the newest season would air on that Sunday. And I had been hip to the comics. I was reading them for a while. And I knew that they were about to introduce Michonne. Um, so I whipped up a little Michonne cosplay. It was really terrible. And I went to the con. And I got recognized as my character by a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of people, but a good amount of people, um, way more than I could find like in the lunchroom in school. Um, And, you know, because they recognize me for my character and the character's not even in the show yet. Oh, I know that these people really, they really know. They read the the comics, so we can talk about it. We can have a a discussion, something that uh, a lot of young nerds are robbed of. Um, Mm And I was like, yo, this is sick. So I just started doing it all the time because, oh, now I cosplay as this character or I wear like this kind of t-shirt. I'm going to attract people that know what the fuck I'm about. And I became a little bit addicted to that. And um, I met a lot of cool people um, from doing this and starting media journalism and and whatever the fuck else I do. Um, And it made me realize that everyone is deserving of brotherhood or sisterhood in in some type of way i think everyone at least deserves a chance at having that um especially nerdy people because nerdy people have so fucking much Mm. to offer um but these spaces are kind of hard to come by um i was privileged enough to be able to get myself there um but i just kind of made it my duty to keep on creating these spaces so we can find more people and they can get, you know, the allyship, the brotherhood, the sisterhood that I think a lot of people in marginalized communities deserve. And it's fun. I meet a lot of cool people that way. I met Sheree that way. Girl, we met on the internet. Like, right. Like it's great. And now we traveling together, like doing nerdy stuff. It's great. People are always shook that we, cause we've been friends for a minute, but we never met in person until last year. So we already had been doing Brody for a year before we were in the same city at the same time. And, and I think that that is wild, but it also is very cool because it's just like, you can find community on the internet if you are mm-hmm. out here being yourself and you are like, oh, you do know about Pumpkinhead? Let's talk. Um, right. you, you know about Sugar Hill? Come on my podcast. What do you mean you don't have a podcast? Do you want a podcast? <laughs> um, that's, that's literally how it happened. <laughs> That sounds like a cult. You really make it sound a little culty. Come on in. (laughs) Do you want a podcast? (laughs) That's how you know you're my friend. What do you mean you don't have a podcast? (laughs) And honestly, listen, I've realized I'm much more of a salesperson than I'd like to be because the second someone asks me about something, whether it's a regal unlimited membership or making a podcast, I'm like, oh, it's so easy. This is exactly what you do. And I'm just like, push. I'm not pushing it on them, but I'm like, like, this is what you get out of it. And this is what you can achieve. And this is, this is everything that can happen. And this is how your life can change. And then all of a sudden now I've endorsed people. So same, same. Like there are so many podcasts. I'm like, you should have podcasts, you should have podcasts. I'm like, I finally started a podcast. This bitch, I should have a podcast. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Give credit where credit is due. Come on. Um, now, Shrey, um, mm. 
you were just talking about how you and Zero have met through this community. Um, and I mean, I've witnessed it, just how many other people that you managed to bring together uh, through your podcast, but also just through the small, not small, big um, network of people that you have met in the New York area, the DC area, just this whole region of, of places. Um, so for you, how has it been being before the podcast, but also now that you do have Blurdy Massacre uh, and your community of listeners and mutuals? Like it's, it's different because I started horror podcasting just because I'm a spiteful little person as Zero knows. Zero's heard me talk about my spite and how it motivates me for three years now. Um, like, it's what gets me out of bed. Um, so I was doing freelance criticism and working jobs that were making me miserable because like it's always hard being the only black woman in these spaces. Right. And it, I, I stopped writing. I had just stopped writing because I tried to finding older white men who wanted to do racist things, say racist things. And I'd taken a job in Indiana, which <laughs> was not great. And it was the top of the pandemic. And so everything was moving online. And I saw this panel with Nate Beaver and Don Mancini in them because Comic-Con that year was virtual. So I could actually attend. And I was like, we can do this. We can do this on Zoom. We we can do things on Zoom. Um, and so while I was fighting the school I was working at, I was like, I'm watching a lot of horror movies again because I'd gotten out of it because I was doing theater. I'm back in it. And then I want to talk about that. And I, I also am tired of hearing only white people have podcasts because before you're in the community, it's all white people. <laughs> too many. <laughs> too many. And I was like, I don't want to be the only one. And I know that I'm not the only one. So... I started doing shit and I got a couple of people to listen to me and I got a couple people to start letting me write for them. And then like, you just keep finding each other because it's mm -hmm. like any other space where once you're in it, you're just like, Oh my God, you're here too. Yay. <laughs> Let's go talk yeah. about malignant in this corner. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's been really fun and it's been kind of healing because I, I did not see this path for myself. I'm a writer, and so I thought I would be writing something somewhere and being paid peanuts like everybody else at Netflix. Mm. But instead, I'm being paid peanuts um, to write from home and make my podcast and bother people in the East Coast where I should have been living anyways. And that's just like exactly. really fun, right? I, yeah. I keep a bag packed. It's ridiculous. I'm just like, what are we doing? And sometimes like it's virtual. And I'm like, okay, but it's packed if it's not virtual anymore. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who says you can't just still go to a hotel and attend online? You can make it feel like it's not virtual. I've thought about it. <laughs> you know what? Take take those peanuts and treat yourself. That's what I say. If you book early enough, you can get a place anywhere. Um, and so I'll just We've be like, done it. listen, I'll be like, what are you doing October 2020? <laughs> <laughs> 2025. Um, I'm going to be there in October 2025. I have a receipt. Um, I got Kilo Airbnb around the corner. Please don't move. And <laughs> I'll see you then. But like, not enough people plan in advance. So we need people like you on the earth to make it spin. Thank you. Um, I have a very specific set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> very specific. <laughs> Bulleted. <laughs> Uh, being a black woman in the horror community, we look at the genre through a particular lens. And that's why I couldn't be more excited to discuss this week's film with you all. Uh, the movie we're talking about this week is Ma, the 2019 Octavia Spencer. Um, revolutionary? We'll see about that. Uh, 
Um, now I would hope that you've seen this movie because it's been out for quite some time now. And I mean, I know it shook a little people, shook some people up when it came out, but in case you don't know what it's about, uh, it follows a group of teenagers who befriend a lonely middle-aged woman. She lets them party in her basement and they end up being terrorized by her. It's directed by Tate Taylor, who also gave us the help. Thank you, Tate Taylor. Uh, its runtime is one hour and 39 minutes, and it was released May 31st, 2019. It's starring Octavia Spencer, Juliette Lewis of The Yellow Jackets, and Luke Evans. With a budget of $5 million, it did make $61.2 million in the box office. So whether it was a bop or a flop, it got the money it needed. So whatever. Uh, the director <laughs> wanted to make something truly, quote unquote, messed up upon finishing the original script ma had no backstory however they wanted audiences to sympathize with her so taylor prioritized the themes of trauma the sins of our parents and bullying in order to create a character that viewers could empathize with there could be a sequel in the future too after melissa mccarthy showed interest in partnering with spencer on a second entry when I asked y'all to be on the podcast and I left it up to you to decide what we talked about, I was certainly surprised when you said mom. It's mostly associated with the memes that's been made uh, from it. However, when it came out, it took many people by surprise as Octavia Spencer took the lead sinister role. As we get into these questions, um, and it is Black History Month, we're talking Black horror, so it's a little bit more targeted uh, to talk about the Black horror aspect or the lack thereof for this movie. Um, so let's just dive in. Um, do you feel that Octavia Spencer is usually left out of discussions when horror fans talk about Black horror or Black women in horror in particular? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's not her fault this movie's what this movie is. Like she didn't write it, she didn't direct it. I don't think she produced it. She just showed up to do the True. best she could with what she was given. Right. And I feel like we see a lot of other people in bad movies who are not bigger black women and we make sure we put them in the conversation. Um so when I see her left out, I'm just like at least she's not a maid cuz literally she has a career of being in the help. Um yeah. and those are the movies. So how I feel about Blumhouse and this movie, I'm happy she got to do something different. And I just wish it had been mm -hmm. better. Yeah. So true. I almost want to say that, like, I don't need her to be in this conversation with this, attached to this project. Because um, even that would kind of feel like the help. Because um, this movie could have been so much better, dude. Mm -hmm. And it took a huge fucking flop um i wouldn't want this movie to be held highly because octavia is there even though like she's kind of the only reason a lot of us showed up right um because i don't i don't want to celebrate it too hard i definitely want to talk about it and and figure out why it flopped so hard and what it could have done better because we we still have time you know to mm -hmm. see that in the future and we definitely should um, but I, I wouldn't want to put this up there with the greats because it's not a it's not a great representation of what it could have been. Mm -hmm. And that sucks, man. But I mean, I guess there's still time to undo it or not undo it, but fix it. <laughs> Redo it. 
no redo it it's yeah. it's definitely one of those times where, like i'm happy for her and i'm happy with what she did but like the rest of it is a shit show it's like yeah. you see your friend in a play that's bad and you know your friend is trying their damnedest to make it something watchable that's how i feel for auntie octavia mm-hmm. in this one and i'm just like she did the damn things let's forget everything else <laughs> and give her her flowers and leave the scene yeah. of this crime <laughs> i like to look at it as a high high budget well-written lifetime thriller uh mm-hmm. and that's why i forget about it when i'm talking mm-hmm. about black horror and black women in horror because i don't even th- i don't remember it as a horror movie uh partially because of the lack of horror elements that i feel like could have done so much better on but also just like yeah like you all were saying the potential it had and how it just was not served to us the way it should have been. Um, but when you first saw it, what were your thoughts? How did you feel about it? Um, and has that changed? My, it made my ass itch. <laughs> this movie made my fucking ass itch. Big disappoint, huge disappoint. Just all the way let down, man. I made people. And that's about it. I made people go see this on my birthday with me because I saw Octavia was in it, and I was like, "She's doing a horror movie, and she's not a maid. Let's go!" And the theater was pretty much empty, so it was like my group and like maybe four or five people scattered, and we all would just laugh at the same parts, like as a group, even though I didn't know these strangers on the outskirts. And I was like, "This is so bad. I'm so sorry, everybody." And <laughs> that no, is that's a real experience, you know, like when you're in a theater and there's like a specific point in the movie where everyone in the theater, no matter if if you came together or not, just like kind of collectively turn on the movie. That's not a good sign, man. Mm -hmm. Chicago was rough. Uh, (laughs) We were not having it. (laughs) That is essentially, I think it's worse than just like recommending a movie to someone and being like, yeah, you should watch it versus making people come to the theater with you to see a movie. (laughs) It just not being good. Oh, that was embarrassing. Cause usually I'm like, <laughs> I've seen this and it's great, but I was like, no, I got a good feeling about this. Cause this was also, I think this was the year before or after we did hereditary for my birthday. And so people mm. were like, I, I had a good track record before this movie. And I think it's why I lost some friends. I'm just saying mm-hmm. you lost friends. People died. Oh my God. All because <laughs> of Ma. Because of Ma. Casualties. Damn. <laughs> she severed some of my friendships. I don't know if those people again. <laughs> Uh, Well, I mean, Octavia Spencer did have intentions for taking on this role. It wasn't so that you could lose friends, for sure. But it was because she realized that there was a lack of Black women in horror, particularly Black women in the leads of horror movies and Black women who were doing the killing in the horror movies. So I that's something to commend this movie for, but that's about all I can give it. I want to talk about the setting just a little bit because I think all of us can say this movie would have been so much better had they tried to not hide. I don't want to say hide the fact, but like it's almost like they didn't want to mention that uh, Ma was black. Like it's like you could see it, but there was nobody, nobody else saw color, apparently. So the setting of the small town, uh, could it have been used better to emphasize the race relations of the characters and the town itself, I guess? 100%. Because before they hit us with the essay, I assumed those kids are something to her race-based. 
And I was mm. like, are we going to stick the landing or are we going to Blumhouse it? And then they were like, ha, 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 we're not going to address it. And we're just going to use the essay and like use that back door. And I was like, but still it's there because she was the only one in her class. And so no matter how you look at it, it's involved. If you're going to talk about it and be articulate about it is the real issue. And they did not. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was, the, as I looked at it for this episode specifically, it was really weird the way that, and I never noticed it before, but it's there without being there. And it almost feels dismissive, which is, I I feel disrespected, quite frankly. <laughs> I feel personally wronged uh, by it, and I need compensation for my time and effort and emotions. That's my feeling on it. Yeah. Financial compensation. Financial, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think that had they actually done anything with the racial implications, when she paints that kid's face white at the end, it would have made more sense as opposed to being yeah. like, what the fuck, Ma? <laughs> like, oh she did God. it for a reason that we never got. Like, <laughs> she's Word. I think no. we were almost there because I kind of, I mean, in terms of trying to create tension in the story, I think that they never really touched on the race thing kind of makes you even more angry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grew up in predominantly white spaces and like people will talk about anything but that and kind of like ignore the obvious, which is something that definitely gets under your skin. Mm-hmm. But with the essay thing, uh, you know, it, it diverts that attention um, mm-hmm. even more. <clears throat> so if we were to replace that aspect of the film with something more race oriented, that would definitely make more sense for old girl painting uh, our guy's face white, the fucking white hour, whatever, and would have made more sense, and then also would avoid the feeling of. So we're not going to talk about this, like mm-hmm. what? What's really going on? It between that and then Daryl, um, he mentioned something about like he made some sort of joke that did address the fact that they were both black and one of the two of the only oh, black people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she, the way she looked at him, like, it was a look of disgust. Um, mm-hmm. And so those are the only moments. And I feel like in the small town, if you are two of the only black people, you would be allies to a degree um, instead of seeing each other as enemies well it's more like ma saw daryl as an enemy um and it just felt out of character or out of place for her to paint his face white but on the opposite end this movie came out like after the introduction so-called introduction to woke horror where you're you're seeing more of these um very blatant acknowledgments of like MAGA terrors and other societal issues that give black people hell every day. So I almost feel like it could have been a regurgitation of that. And would I have liked that more? I don't know. 
I, I just feel like this is one of those times because I'm always telling people if you really want to be about it as an ally, you need to shut your mouth and open your wallet. And if they wanted mm-hmm. this story about a bigger black woman in a white Midwest town, they should have hired those people <laughs> to write and direct and mm-hmm. give them some producing credits because they're going through some labor for you, Blumhouse. Um, but instead, we got this messy thing because she she's playing into the stereotype. And so you're waiting for her to be like, it was all fake and I was doing it for this but I I think that this is just really who she is she's the matronly mother stereotype that we usually get when we have a woman of that figure who is a black woman and Mm. I I think it's one of the reasons this movie sends me to hell it's I'm just like why is she in the stereotype so deep why is she in it for so long what is the long con and it is to tie up the boy from high school and set the house on fire come on now what we were so close like all of that like all of that fragility and you know ability to do just all the ungodly shit that she was doing that could have been used as fuel to make her into a slasher icon right but instead we just decided to make her look pathetic um and yeah. beatable and like you pity her and stuff which maybe you should to like a little bit like for a slasher character to have some sort of backstory but they just nailed in the whole pity avenue and it Mm -hmm. totally erased all chances of her becoming, you know, a badass killer who's, she's going to fucking get you. You know what I mean? Because she's got this crazy, you know, thing about her that, that sends her going, but now, now I just feel bad for this poor pathetic woman (laughs) and it's fan service to the wrong people. Well, Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say they gave her a bad wig and a bad arc, and that's two unforgivable wrongs. Mm-mm. Double no, that's just so many memes. <laughs> I don't need, and okay, well, so many things to say on that. Um, I wanna I wanna talk about the slasher icon first because I think, like I said before, it was missing horror elements that I personally needed. And apparently the initial concept included Ma chopping off these teenagers' heads and sewing them onto others other people's bodies. So I'm I love like that. I'm like, why? Yes. And I feel like Where you could have Right. You could have done that. And I still would have sympathized with her because at the end of the day, she was the only black woman in this town and people she was getting terrorized. Like she's just seeking revenge. And one thing mm-hmm. I'm gonna do is support a black woman in the wrong because mm-hmm nine times out of 10, she's actually not in the wrong. She's just retaliating and Listen. who's And say? it's intense, man. Mm-hmm. You know what? Yeah. I would have loved that because we we let white slashers get away with murdering kids whenever we feel like it. Why couldn't Ma have done it? Because what was her end game? She's gonna like sew some lips together, paint a kid white and then be like, ha ha, gotcha on the Instagram. Come on now. We, we needed something. And I don't know why we took the cartoonish route out because I I think had we actually like committed to making it scary and keeping that version of the script, it would have been cool. And I wonder okay. if they changed it after they found out they have a black lead because we know they've done that historically, which is why yeah. the craft Rochelle's arc became racism instead of bulimia. Mm. Because who cares if black girls and black people have eating disorders? That doesn't I don't right. understand that in my suburban home. Um, but racism from this Fox News anchor, yeah, that's what I see for black people. And so I just, again, I need the execs to stop talking and open their wallets. Um, I think that mm-hmm. we've tried it their way since the Donna film and it's not working. We're not moving forward fast enough. Just 
zip it and open the wallet to be like, we're so sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see what we get. Well, and that's that's why I like um, the Purge franchise, which is, you know, some people may say that's an odd thing for you to admit, but I I think so for the first Purge, the original director and writer just completely took his hands off of it. He was like, I want a black director on this project because the black audience members have been the ones to empathize and identify with this franchise throughout the entirety of it. Um, And I think that's so respectable. Blumhouse too. So, you know, Jason Blum is doing some things right. Did he do they slash them correctly? No, no, but that I digress. Um, (laughs) That was a, a nightmare. I can never listen to Pink again. And like, I was already like, sometimes, and now I'm just like, whenever it comes on, I turn it off immediately. I will dive for my phone out of the shower. It's like, no, <laughs> no, not in this Anything house. Anything but that. <laughs> that was an insane scene and so out of place. The whole movie, again, but... it, again, if you want the stories, you have to support the people who should be telling the stories. Exactly. Because yes. when Twitter imploded, you had a bunch of cis white people fighting a bunch of non-binary and trans people. And I'm just like, that ain't your community. Clearly, you need to mm-hmm. like, fuck up and listen. Because they're like, well, the director is gay. I'm like, but he's also cis. And you're not hearing <laughs> what these people yeah. are saying. Because you felt good about it. And you like pink. And so therefore, mm-hmm. you're just like, shut the fuck up, everybody. Be happy. You got a movie. And that's yeah. why so many of us in these pockets are upset because we're not grateful anymore. <laughs> we want to see us have quality stuff. We don't want any more moms. We want no more moms. No. Um, we want more talk to me's. We want more, we want more Please. of the good shit. We want more tales from the hood installment one. Um, we <laughs> <laughs> no more mom. If you would just listen to us and if you would mm. support the people who are wanting to tell these stories, um, or at least even just fucking have us just like have us in the mm-hmm. rooms in the spaces listen to the notes because it's not new we've been talking about the same stereotypes and tropes forever because we keep seeing them forever mm-hmm. i just watched i'm not gonna ruin it but i just finished the season of fargo and mm-hmm. everything that they were almost doing well they were like fuck it for the finale <laughs> i was like is it 1970 again did you really time travel what is happening <laughs> The time travel really, that time jumps also, where it's like five years later, what happened? What happened in between every, like this whole sequence? Because I feel like it's lazy. Yes. (laughs) Um, Now, as we wrap up, does Maul have a rewatchability factor to it, considering everything we've discussed here? She does not. She does not. I, I've i healed enough to where if she happens to be on and I'm in the same house, I don't have to, like, leave the room. Um, but, like, I still don't want to rewatch that. Uh, yeah. That'd be no. insane for you to hate mom that much. You're like, I can't. I have to leave. I there was a here. moment. That's that's anti-Black. That's, like, it's not that bad. It's just, it's just not good. It's not <laughs> terrible, you know? um rewatchability i'm gonna say no but i do think that if you're out there and you're planning on bringing a um middle-aged black woman slasher to life 
I would suggest you watch this because um, yeah. we were almost there, but save it. Right. That's the only time I would recommend watching this film. Yeah. Yeah. Is there was a... Go ahead. I was going to say, it's like what Brandy said, almost doesn't count. And so... It almost doesn't count. <laughs> almost made you love me. On the nose. <laughs> Made you yeah, happy? No. Um, no. Didn't I? Didn't I? I'm speaking to people <laughs> who got robbed. Brandy was the final girl of I Stood You Last Summer. I'm saying on everybody's podcast, get into it. And I support that. I support you here. This is a safe space for that. Thank you. Because it's the truth. Yeah. Julie James was always weak. And that's why her friends were always better than her. Well, I mean, if you look at every horror movie where there's a interracial dynamic of women, the black woman is always the one who ends up saving them anyways. They just don't get the title of final girl for whatever reason. Um, but that also circles me back to the tropes real quick because you had mentioned how um, there's always like when it comes to a larger size black woman in a movie, it's always like a mammy figure to some extent. Um, and it also, there's there always has to be like a comedy factor to black horror it feels like in the past mm -hmm. where it's always like there's always something that has to be funny about it and like ma ma is funny to me like she's like you better not party without me like she is funny but i don't want to laugh like i need more because i don't watch trailers before i see movies i didn't know that the trailer had her doing the robot um, until after I saw the movie and I was like, oh, so had I watched this, I would have known to not take my squad. Mm. You can't make this shit up, man. Right? She, it's, it's extremely, she's shucking and jiving on the dance floor for a bunch of white high oh. school kids. Right. And the thing is, if she hadn't been black, that probably wouldn't have been in there. There were probably would have been no humor to this. It would have been a straight thriller. Yeah. I mean, still maybe a little lifetimey, no Tino shade, oh. but yeah like still it would have been a little bit more serious yeah. um i do the only the one of the only things i like about this movie is seeing octavia spencer in a role like this because you know we haven't seen her in anything even just like silly you know she just looked like she was having a good time but is there another black actor that you would kill to see in a slasher whether they're doing the killing or they're being killed I think we owe Alfie Woodard the chance to stab people after what they did to her in Annabelle. Yeah, redemption arc. Yes. Mm. I love that answer. Yes. That's a good answer. I'd be an answer. <laughs> Don't we all though? Um, I would like to see Method Man more. <gasps> more of yeah. Method Man. I would like more <laughs> Method Man for very selfish reasons. But I also had this thought the other day, I was thinking about Green Room. Um, and I think it would be really cool if Willow, um, my favorite Smith, gotta be my favorite Smith, um, could come over here, scoot over here and do something cool and like punk rock like that, I think. Mm -hmm. I just think she's really badass. I don't know if she could like really act like that, but something. I think that yeah. she would be real cute and I want her to come over this way. Now that you've put her out there, I want to see her and Jasmine Savoy Brown do something. <gasps> oh, and also more Jasmine Savoy Brown. Give her I all the things. No, like I love her. I love her so much. Every every time I put out an advertisement, I'm like, if you're listening to this girl, just hit me up, please. <laughs> no, I 
I've never seen her miss, um, which is hard to do okay. because people out there plotting with scripts, and they're just like, come do this trash. And she's like, no, swerve. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and I just love that for her. Cause like, I was talking about the sound of violence, I think today. <gasps> mm -hmm. Thank you. And I was like, she got to cut who? Yes. <laughs> um, let her, let her be good. her villains. Mm -hmm. I know, like, I want, I mean, well, Scream, Scream 7 is canceled at this point, but like, if it hadn't been, I really wanted her somehow, some way. I know if you put the creative mind to it, you can make her the killer. I just want to see her evil. That's it. It would have been so, we could talk about it because it's never going to happen. It would have been so cool to see that half of the core four because it's siblings on siblings. It would have been so right. cool to be like, we weren't saving you. We were testing you with the ghost faces that we were putting in your path. Chad is not the new Dewey. He's actually a mastermind. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not your friend. I'm coming to stab you, bitch. I would have lived. Um, it would have ended badly because like, it's just ghost faces don't get a long lifespan, but I would have lived mm -hmm. in the moment to see the core four all black and brown just fist fighting. Cause like, again, yeah. Melissa Herrera is my final girl. Like Sam Carpenter is the final girl she's I've always wanted my whole life. In Scream Seven, when she's like, "We're gonna break them. Do you got my back, sis?" I'm just like, "Yes, these are my girls. Mm. <laughs> Don't hurt them. Nobody touch yes. them." <laughs> no. Well, naturally, twins are just evil, anyways. So it makes sense. They just have a sinister. They, it's like a look in their eye. Um, I don't trust them. No. And I think that it could have gotten real spicy because their uncle was Randy who died in the second one for Sidney Prescott, the bringer of death. We could have, they could have killed so many people in so many movies. They could have. Yeah. I was going to say Jasmine Savoy Brown, but it's like, she's already been in a slasher. So I can't really say that, but I want to see her in more. But if y'all remember back in the day, not that, not that far. Um, Scream Queens, Kiki Palmer, I mm -hmm. want to see her in more because she rent was due for her and she gave us everything she had. And I loved her in that, that, and then, uh, Coleman Domingo, his voice yes. in particular is kind of haunting. <laughs> so I like it since it's since chills down my spine for multiple reasons, but one of them is because it is just so. It, it can be a little haunting. So I feel like he could be a good villain. When you brought him up, I remembered him in Candyman 2021. And yeah. he would be an amazing villain if he could be a villain for a little bit longer than the last five minutes of the movie. He can get real like sinister, mm. you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. And you gonna get it later, you know? Yeah. And now I'm quaking in my boots. <laughs> I'm always like, are you on the side of good or not? I don't know where this is going. Let me watch it. <laughs> yeah. And now we're talking about a black queer man leading a movie and that a horror movie at that, that is breaking all sorts of black history uh, and black horror history. Listen, one. listen, I, I think it's part of the reason we all were drawn to Dwayne and the blackening because mm. we were like, excuse you, are you here in a full character? <gasps> <Yeah. laughs> Multi-dimensional multi dimensional and everything. Right? I was like, he's yeah. the lead. And they're like, it's an ensemble. I'm like, I said what I said. Mm -hmm. no, he's the lead. He wrote it. He right? like he produced it. He yeah. 
he wrote himself as the lead in my mind. Uh, but with that movie, particularly, and as we look at the future of Black Horror, what do you see for it? And what do you hope? I mean, what do you hope to see and predict about it? I hope to see more intersectionality because again, we get the one it's like, okay, this is our black movie this year. Um, and it's like, but like also black people can be so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, intersectionality is a real thing. Let's try embracing it. And that'll help you size to some of these tropes that we keep seeing done to death. Um, because it's really hard to be like, these are the sacrificial Negroes when everybody black. Yeah. <laughs> um, like had Annabelle, had that been a black family? I could be less talked about Alfie Woodard being thrown off the balcony. I still would, because she's Alfie Woodard and you wasted her time. But I would be like, at least it's not for those reasons. I'd have been like, everybody was black. Somebody had to die. I'll sleep mm-hmm. at night. And I wouldn't be outside James Wan's house being like, I thought we were friends. <laughs> Why'd you let that happen? <laughs> I predict just a higher volume of things for mm. the future. Um, it's crazy that we have to prove that we go outside and spend money like any other regular white consumer. Yeah. Um, but now studios know that, that, wow, like when we let black people make movies, Mm -hmm. other black people come outside and spend their money on said movies. Wow. Amazing. Um, and although it's, it's shitty that that's the reason why, um, I think that's going to play a big part in just giving us more money to allow us to do more things granted it's nowhere near where it should be right um but at least people know that now um and even on a smaller level you know people are look looking for diversity and intersectionality because they're starting to understand that with the internet and people talking to one another they can see that this is a shared trend that we want to see more of this shit so you know what yeah maybe we should buy the rights to that film that we saw at overlook yeah. you know from that one black director maybe we should and distribute that on streambox or what screenbox um and i'm looking forward to it mm-hmm. the international ones too yes and i i feel like there's a lot of older black horror movies that i mean i'm not 100 for remakes but i think there are a lot of older black horror movies that could be remade and successfully like I would love to see Death by Temptation uh, with a better budget and better script because it was a good, like, I love a succubus. Um, (laughs) That's one thing about me. Uh, I love an evil woman. So I think something like that, we are getting people under the stairs remade uh, from Jordan Peele himself. So I, I feel like there's definitely, I hope that they choose the right black horror movies to remake that, you know, that being a big thing. But I really hope to see more of movies like The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. And I'm not just saying that because I have an emotional connection to that movie. I'm saying it more so because of how smart it is with um, including certain racial relations, racial issues, uh, Black issues, but it not feeling like that. You're not feeling the weight of those things that you encounter every day. It's just so much in the background of it to where it's it's still a crucial part to the plot, but you're not being reminded of it, if that makes sense. Um, but it's also a creature feature. And I feel like we need more creature features for Black people because, you know, we're all- That I agree with. More, like, more sweethearts. 
-hmm. more brown girls battling big monsters please and thank you yes and just to piggyback off of your note about remakes from older movies abby is right there abby's right there and we deserve an exorcism where we get deleted blumhouse Mm -hmm. um (laughs) abby right there somebody call me beat me if you want to reach me um i would love to write about a woman who is being repressed by the men in her life who gets possessed by a sex demon that her father-in-law and you know how i would love to see that i would love to see that like with uh like kind of like a like a grindhouse kind of feel on it that would be really sick. Yeah. Exactly. Write that exactly. down. Write that down. Yeah. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. It's going to be the next Brian House double feature, but no Tarantino involved. Uh- oh, please <laughs> leave him out of it. He's actually doing his last retiring. movie. He's retiring. Yeah. yeah. I go to bed every night thinking, thinking the man above. Yeah. Like, I never thought I'd see the day. I'm just so happy I'm going to live to see the day. <laughs> that he's <Right>. <laughs> Right, please. It's also kind of crazy that he's retiring, but you still have other um, directors, good directors, who are still going and they're still pushing. And you know what? I think he just realized that his time has come. He can't do anything more. <laughs> Day of reckoning. Yeah. He's like, I had seven or eight movies in me. I've seen all the feet I can see before people report me. And I. <laughs> He's like, you're gonna get media medical call out of my ass. I'ma disappear. <laughs> and it's like, it's already drafted. It's already drafted, Quentin. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is all that I had for you all for this episode, for this conversation. Uh, it sure was a hoot and a half. I had a great time. I hope all of my listeners did too. For the Blurdy Massacre, two out of two, where can my listeners find you on the social media and the interweb? Oh, yeah. Well, first off, you can find our podcast at Blurdy Massacre, wherever it is that you get your podcast fix. You can also follow us on Instagram or Twitter um, at Blurdy Massacre. Um, and I myself in Zero Gravity, you could find me at IDK Gravity on all the things. And you can find my solo shenanigans at Miss Sheree on Instagram and Twitter. That's Miss Sheree with three S's because I didn't know I was going to be somebody when I made that. And so we all got to count the S's now. I'm, I'm not sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I will link all of those in the show notes below also so that you don't have to type out the three S's. Um, of course, you can find me at Your Horror Podcast on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Substack. You know, I'm really, really trying to stay up to date with the newsletters, but y'all, adult life is just a little difficult. Uh, but when I get one out, it'll be a holiday for sure. Um, thank you so much to Zero and Sheree for coming on the podcast. I loved having you on and I can't wait to see uh, what the future holds for more collabs with us. And then listeners, Thank you so much for uh, supporting me and listening to me and uh, let me know what your thoughts are in the Q&A portion of Spotify, wherever you want to talk to me, you can find me wherever it is and I'll respond. I promise. Um, All right. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, you all. And uh, I hope you all have a great rest of your evening, day, night. See you next episode. Bye.
black cinema, Sister Soldier? Listen, I read my entertainment weekly, okay? I know my shit.